No Ugly, Yes Please. No Ugly is created in New Zealand by a small, determined and innovative team whose mission is to eradicate ugly. It's inherent in the ingredients we choose, the products we create and our business values and behaviours. We are proud to be part of the global wellness movement, making a difference for the wellness of our people and our planet, right here from the cleanest, greenest country at the bottom of the world. No Ugly's range of functional beverages are scientifically formulated to get you back to gorgeous. With natural ingredients, they've created a truly functional range of beverages with proven health claims. And unlike any other health drinks, their entire line is low sugar but tastes amazeballs. Get back to gorgeous with No Ugly Skin and 10 grams of marine collagen. Detox, the hangover dream. Hydrate, like an isotonic rain in the desert. Libido, yes, yes, yes. Immunity, it's to live for. Sleep, sweet dreams. Focus, your personal laser. Gut, for shits and giggles. And now calm, it's like a cuddle from your mum. They have three different formats, 250ml glass bottles, 330ml cans, and now 100ml glass shots. No ugly? Yes, please. This is the I Quit Sugar podcast, Unprocessed, brought to you by No Ugly Wellness Tonics. Hi, I'm JJ from I Quit Sugar. And I'm Peter, founder of Goodness Me, which is your go-to good-for-you grocery store. We're here out of a deep desire to help you live your healthiest life. We've both been through health journeys which have been transformative in how we live our lives and approach each day. After learning how to manage my autoimmune condition through food and lifestyle, I realised that we live in a world where we are overfed and undernourished, but it can be as easy as some simple changes that can have a huge impact on how your body operates and how you feel day to day. I've also been through a very confusing and oftentimes overwhelming health journey which started with gut dysbiosis and developed into thyroid issues and now an autoimmune condition that I'm still learning about. We don't want you guys to go through what we have. It can be a lonely, overwhelming and often conflicting and confusing world. So we're hoping that these conversations inspire you to dig a bit deeper, cut through the noise and help you live a healthier life. Health is wealth at the end of the day. So I Quit Sugar are bringing you an eight-episode series where we interview some incredible people who have so much wisdom to share on different areas of health and well-being. It's our hope these conversations inspire you to take control of your health and live your fullest life in the process. Our guest today is Kirsty Worth. Kirsty is a teacher, integrative health coach, mind ambassador, nature lover, traveller, outdoor enthusiast, a wife and mother of two children. Kirsty is also the founder of Cultured Wellness, a company dedicated to providing education, knowledge and products for optimum health and specifically gut health. Her area of interest lies in making all types of fermented gut-loving foods, using food as our number one medicine, understanding the science around gut health and brain neurogenesis and how the correct lifestyle, environment and diet can positively impact gut health. She is truly passionate about the health of our community and especially the health of our children, ensuring our next generation reaches their full potential. Kirsty, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. It's so lovely to see you both. We are so excited to chat to you, particularly about all your knowledge about gut health, which we are both, that's safe to say, quite obsessed with finding out more and more about, which is really exciting. 
but we always like to start by asking, what's your one ritual that you did this morning that set you up for the day? I actually did a few this morning. So I did a coffee enema this morning. So that's um, been a huge part of my life. So it's kind of cool to see it bounce out onto the scene a little bit and, um, you know, a bit bit more discussion about coffee enemas. I've been doing them for about 10 years. So that's one ritual. Um, I always make sure I get morning sunlight. So that's another one. And, of course, I had some fermented foods this morning. So I had a big bowl of culture wellness yogurt. So yeah, there's a couple of things that I did this morning. Amazing. Delicious. And for those out there who haven't heard of a coffee enema before, you able to explain a little bit how that works? It's, it's not it like a, a special filter brew or anything like that. No, no, no. So the hipsters <laughs> won't know about this one. It's not some single origin from some far off place that no one knows about. Um, so a coffee enema, so it's an enema. And so, yes, it, you take it the opposite end of your body. So we use an enema bag and you're using the coffee because it has a palmitic compound in the coffee. And what that does is it actually really supports your liver through this enzyme called this glutathione transferase enzyme. And it enables your liver to be able to eliminate any toxins that are hanging around in there. And the enema obviously is done, you know, via your bum, you put the coffee up your bum, but it goes in, stimulates your liver and your gallbladder, but also enables all of that to flush out. So I, through my adventures of learning about myself, know that I've got pretty crappy genes when it comes to detoxification. So I just need to give my body a lot of extra support in that area. So the coffee enemas have just been the biggest game changer for me. So if I'm feeling a bit toxic or if I've had a weekend where not everything has lined up with regards to nutrition or as much um, movement, or if I just feel like I need to clear out some estrogen or some hormones, then I'll do my enemas. So They're just amazing for constipation and so many things. But, yeah, most people use them for um, detoxification and eliminating any form of toxins in our body. Awesome. And I think that's great being open about chatting about this kind of stuff because the gut does control so much in our body. We do need to speak about it. So leading on that topic, you are one of the leaders in Australia in gut health. And so I know this wasn't necessarily your plan when you think back on how you wanted your life to play out, but do you want to take us back and explain how you got to this point? Uh, Yeah, what an interesting question, because no, it wasn't my intention to certainly um, be an expert in gut health. And, you know, when I did, I did a um, study to PhD in a completely different area of expertise and was in academia researching in such a different space. So it still surprises me that here I am talking about gut health, but um, it really was more about my adventure, my journey with looking after my children and what was going on with my children. So I have had gut issues my whole life, but it's amazing what you can put up with and what you consider as normal and what, you know, what we just don't even realize is impacting us. So I would have, you know, loose stools sometimes eight times a day. At one point I was taking six Nurofen and six Panadol a day for pain. And I just thought that that was normal because my mum had issues with her gut. 
My nana had issues with her gut. My great-grandfather died of bowel cancer. So I was just, ah, oh, this is just what we do. And it wasn't until I met my husband, who is an emergency nurse, where he actually said, you know, like going to the toilet that many times a day is not normal. And then after that, it, I didn't really kind of dive into this space until my son became very, very, very unwell. So, you know, he was a happy, bouncy baby and everything was going well. And then we went on a surf trip to Fiji and he um, caught Giardia over there. Now, if anyone's had Giardia, it's horrible. And it's it comes out of every end and it really floors you. It's like barley belly on steroids. It's horrible. And we both got it. And then he had antibiotics for that. Then he got an ear infection, had antibiotics for that. Then he got Giardia back again. We were on a mountain biking trip up north and he kept getting all of these symptoms and these issues and he was given multiple um, amounts of antibiotics. And then his behaviour started to change and then his ability to interact with the world started to change. And he went from this verbal boy that was able to interact and I thought he was going to be like some, you know, soccer star or something because at, you know, 12 months he was kicking a a soccer ball and all these kinds of things. And, yeah, then he progressed to three and a half being diagnosed on the spectrum and being completely nonverbal and then just screaming all day and all night and banging his head on the floor and he just couldn't communicate. He had loose stools all the time and covered in rashes and screaming in pain. And so this diagnosis um, of ASD was like, well, he's going to be nonverbal forever. He's never going to go to a normal school. He's never going to reach any milestones and he's going to live with you for the rest of your life. So the prognosis was just terrible. Mm. But, you know, as we kind of got over the shock of it and, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget this. We, he got diagnosed on the spectrum and then the, you know, the person, <laughs> the facilitator in the room's like, oh, and I really recommend that your husband and you get um, some counselling because 80% of marriages with a child this bad ends in divorce. So make sure you go and get some help in that area too. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's my life become? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we kind of went, had this big kind of, moment where everything was really bad and my daughter was on the scene at that point and we just decided to be curious and we just decided look what's going on here you can't have like loose stools and be covered in rashes and yellow diarrhea and and just put it down to being on the spectrum doesn't work like that and so yeah we sent off Noah's stool and back then you had to send it over to Germany to get some result test results. Um, and we found out that he had a really, really scary, life-threatening gut infection called Clostridium difficile. And then we found out that Clostridium difficile, the metabolites, the toxins from that infection can leak into your brain and can stop you talking and thinking and learning and growing and socialising and interacting. And so then we were like, well, is he on the spectrum or is he just really sick? And this C. diff, the Clostridium difficile, has actually impacted his life. And I had Clostridium difficile. Thankfully, my daughter didn't. So, yeah, we became um, research bunnies. We were part of a research project in Canada 
and we all had gut transplants and um, my son started talking and he started bouncing out into the world and started interacting and learning, growing. And then he started school and all the milestones that you would expect. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in this space because I've seen firsthand what a dysbiotic gut can do to a human and to a little child and to an adult like myself. And then I can see what a thriving, beautiful, beneficial gut can do to a brain and to who you are as a person so yeah then I went back to more study and then I created the cultures and and here I am so but that's the reason why this dear little boy Noah was the reason why that's an incredible story and also kudos to you for not just accepting the first answer you got and pushing Mm -hmm. and I think that's so important as well because I know you know I've been through that as well so I think for those listening out there can relate to that Mm. so much too sometimes um Mm. But if someone thinks that they've got, you know, signs and symptoms of a gut issue, what should they be looking after or looking out for, I should say? Well, yeah. So I think we're now all across the usual symptoms. So we're now across the distension and the bloating and the loose stools and that the burning, you know, acidity if you've got loose stools or the constipation even blood in your stools. Like I think we're across that. Most people are aware now that 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 is a gut problem. But I'm really interested in all the ones that we still aren't aware of, which is the anxiety, the brain fog, the memory loss, the the fears, the lack of sleep, the rashes, the hay fever, endometriosis, hormone issues. Like I... I'm really keen to make sure that people understand that all of those issues that are going on for us are also related to our gut. So if we've got kids that have got learning disorders and um, it seems to be a bit of a thing at the moment to suddenly start diagnosing women in their 40s with ADHD and like, should we now be looking at the gut-brain connection? What's going on here? So there's so much more and basically anything that's going on with your body is linked to your gut. So just everything. I suppose if someone's sitting at home thinking, yep, tick that box, tick that box, or, you know, they've got some of those symptoms, Mm -hmm. where's the best place to start? Where do you start investigating? Who do you speak to? What would be your advice? Yeah. So I think the best place to start, I mean, I have a a really full, a classic motto, which is test, don't guess. And I think we're at a time where, you know, if you think about in traditional culture, it was really only the kings or the really influential people in society had access to knowledge. You know, some people in society couldn't even read or write, so they didn't even have access to knowledge. We've got an opposite problem now where people have so much access to knowledge that it's confusing everyone. And so one minute we're trying this because we think that's the best option and the next minute we're trying that because we think it's the best option. So the best place to start is just to get a wonderful comprehensive test of where is your gut at. So we use a lab called Microba and then we assess with our clients what's going on, what, you know, what can we see in there? What are the anomalies? Who's living in there? And then we can make a really wonderful, concrete, valid treatment plan from that because we actually know what's going on. 
So I get lots of people that come and work with us and like, oh, I've got candida or I've got, you know, they've read all these things and then they've, um, you know, decided that they've got these issues and it's not actually that at all. So testing is the best place to start. And then, yeah, working with wonderful practitioners that are really up to speed with reading those tests and understanding the this space of the gut microbiome because, like when I started in this space 10 years ago, holy smokes, like the, the change is extreme. And like, unless you're up to date with that. Mm. And in our clinic, we have to spend so much time research and reading and upskilling because it's so quick what's coming out and what we're learning. That's something you can go to your GP for. Does it really have to be a practitioner that's you know, researched and knows about this area of of health. So you can go to your GP and ask for a a PCR parasitology, which is for the big um, basic parasites that you might be exposed to. There are integrative doctors that um, use some form of stool analysis, and that's wonderful. But as yet, GPs aren't trained in understanding sort of these reports and understanding the gut microbiome. Uh, The gut microbiome was sequenced well after a lot of the GPs finished, you know, even their um, training. So they, unless they've sought out that extra information and upskilled in the area, they just, they just aren't aware of it. They they don't have the skill set for that. So yeah, if you're interested in understanding your gut microbiome, you do have to find practitioners that specialize in it. And that's more in the naturopathy space or the integrative medicine space. So it's quite specific. Is there a certain place to start in terms of healing your gut and what you eat or how you live your lifestyle? What would always be your your advice? The best advice is to imagine that you're a plant. And so we would never take a plant out of sunlight we would never pour like chlorinated water on it. We would never put like terrible food into that plant. Like everyone, I mean, I love it. People nurture plants like they're their own babies. I mean, I do. I love my plants. And the thought of putting like preservatives onto a plant or some terrible oils or any of those sorts of things, we just wouldn't do it. But for some reason, there's a disconnect to how we would treat our animals or our plants and treating ourselves. So the first thing is to recognise that, yeah, how do we flourish as humans? And we flourish in sunlight and good water. So not drinking tap water is one of the biggest things we can do for our health and our gut microbiome. And, you know, sunlight is huge. And then being really honest about how much processed food we're eating and what, what are we putting in our bodies that's causing inflammation? So most of us know there's nuances, right, that we need to work out. Um, and sometimes, yes, you've got to work with your specialist to find out what those nuances are. Um, but most of the time, it's actually just sitting with ourselves and being honest, like, hmm. So if our gut microbiome is made up of beautiful bacteria, most of our body is made up of bacteria, And alcohol, we use it to kill bacteria. Why would we drink alcohol if we feel terrible? Because we're killing off ourselves and we're mostly made of microbes. So a lot of it is just being, just sitting with the stuff we already know and bringing it to the fore and and making those choices about looking after ourselves. Because 
a lot of the time it's not through lack of understanding these days. It's it's just that I can do this. I'm going to make the change. In my experience as well, I think a lot of people find it really overwhelming to change the way they're eating or to, you know, cut alcohol or change their lifestyle a little bit. Mm. What would be your advice to make it, you know, less stressful and less overwhelming doing that? Yeah. So you bite, just biting off small, small chunks. So one change a week is amazing. You know, we're around on this earth for a very long amount of time. So one change a week, you know, and the longer picture is is wonderful and you'll get there. So, yeah, I think um, in a society that is all about urgency, we feel like we're supposed to wake up and do everything perfectly. And so, yeah, one week you just decide, okay, I'm, I'm just not going to drink tap water. I'm going to investigate a filter and I'm just going to be really mindful about my water. Where am I going to get my water from? And then the next week, yeah, I might just get some more sunlight or then the following week start some fermented foods. So I think be really realistic about what you can actually bite off and just do one, one change per week. And before you know it, you know, you've, you've implemented all these changes and they've stuck because if we try and do everything all at once, nothing ever sticks. Yeah. We just throw our hands in the air and freak out and then run away and hide, <laughs> hide in the corner. I failed. It didn't work. And then we have to start all over again. I love that. I think that's such good advice to start healthy habits as well. And like, particularly when it comes to food and reading food labels, it can be so overwhelming trying to mm. cut processed food. Yeah. Where to start? So even doing one thing at a time from those yeah. categories, we found been super helpful. Mm. You mentioned um, the inflammation and you know inflammatory foods, and I know you, you touched on alcohol. Are there a few other things that you might encourage people to maybe lessen or you know cut out to get a bit more, or sorry, less inflammation in their body and therefore a better gut picture? Yeah. It's a really, really, really wonderful way of breaking this down and making it super simple so you don't get confused. If your grandma couldn't grow it, you shouldn't have it. And then suddenly it becomes so simple, so, so simple. So our grandmas couldn't make inflammatory oils, but they could make olive oil. So they couldn't make all the oils that go into foods. So that's an easy one to pull out. They certainly didn't have a lab in the back of their house and they couldn't make preservative 220 and all citric acid and all of these preservatives. They couldn't make MSG and they didn't spray, spray glyphosate and all of these different types of chemicals onto their garden. They used traditional, you know, ways of composting and so forth. And so when we get overwhelmed and we're standing in the aisle and we're reading a label and we're all just freaking out, just go back to like, would my grandma even know what this word is? Would she be able to grow it? And if the answer is no to that, then it's possibly inflammatory and then it's not right for your body. It just becomes super simple after that. Otherwise we get involved in a lot of like reading of food labels and will this work and will this not? And the amount of greenwashing and marketing um, that's around now is just, it's actually baffling. You almost need a PhD just in that to like break through and understand what, when someone says this word, what actually is that? If there was an Australia's Got Gut Health competition, No Ugly Gut will win it by billions because No Ugly Gut's got 2 billion probiotic CFUs per serve. 
It's also low in sugar, an excellent source of dietary fibre, with 10 different vitamins and minerals, 137 grams of calcium to support digestive enzymes, plus polyphenols like green tea extract, white tea solids, apple and grapeseed extract, all scientifically formulated to help make your gut feel more gorgeous, smell more gorgeous, and just generally behave itself in a more life-transformingly gorgeous fashion overall. If no ugly gut doesn't sort out your bloating, farting, bad breath guts out, nothing will. Conditions apply. How long have you found in your experience with your patients does it take once you start eating that way or changing your lifestyle if they started to feel the difference? And maybe it's not 100% better. I always say health's a journey, right? You're always trying to feel better and better. But yeah. how long have they taken to sort of feel the difference, see a difference? It depends on so many factors. So, you know, belief set and mindset and how long have you been sick for and do you want it to actually get better and all of these things. Um, so there's all of these variables, but the gut can really drop inflammation and the body can start to really switch a lot of those pathways off of inflammation within, you know, a good three days. That three-day effect is amazing. So we can make significant change in a really small amount of time. So small, small changes, you know, we see that, oh, I had a better sleep last night or, you know, I could stay awake for a little bit longer or I just didn't have as much pain in my body, small changes, but bedding down routines and habits and, you know, finding that real kind of health and wellness up for every, it's a different for everyone, but yeah, you can make big changes in a short amount of time. And I think another nice thing I always used to remind myself is your body took so long to get to where it was, you know, to get to become unwell. You also need to give it the time mm-hmm. to get better. But three days, I mean, to start noticing the little changes. And that's, that's it. It's just amazing. noticing changes. Yeah. And, you know, there's that beautiful kind of um, a naturopathic code of like for every year that you were sick, you're going to take about a month to get better. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had like 35 years of feeling pretty crap. So (laughs) I had a fair while, a fair while to catch up on. We wanted to talk to you about parasites because we've been seeing a lot about them lately. I've actually been seeing a lot about them on Instagram, interestingly enough. Are there symptoms that would alert someone to having a parasite as opposed to thinking that it's just IBS or standard gut issue? What should we be looking out for? So, you know, the biggest one for me that I see all the time now is anxiety. So as soon as someone comes to see us in clinic with anxiety is their um, biggest issue, we it's I'm just, okay, there's parasites in there. So that's the first one. Um, lots of rashes is really interesting. Sleeplessness is a really big one. And erratic sleep patterns and behaviours, so doing okay and then three or four days of shocking sleep and then doing okay again and, and parasites go with the moon cycle so we know why that happens but if someone isn't sure it's parasites to them it will just be weird sleeping um, Mm -hmm. patterns and behaviors iron deficiency is a huge one so anemia iron deficiency and just you know you have your iron transfusion it just won't go up you can't budget it's not changing um, overall nutrient deficiency so your zinc's low your b vitamins are low um, your whole 
body is just screaming for nutrients. So you go and get your bloods and like, what's going on here? I'm eating, you know, this beautiful organic diet and I'm just not retaining anything. And then fussy eating. Now it's funny we use the word fussy eating a lot in for kids, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of adults who are super fussy eaters and they can kind of hide it better and get away with it. But fussy eating, food avoidance, um, and certainly um, moving more into, um, you know, having some issues with either um, food behaviours, food choices, attachments to food. So I see that a lot um, when we're speaking to people. They might have a past history of either food avoidance or certain food behaviours or they're currently in it. And then when we look further, there's quite a lot of parasitic infection and activity going on. Is that because the parasites are kind of driving those behaviours and, you know, they're they're wanting to, I guess, thrive and need certain things for that? Yeah, so effectively we're their host yeah. And so they they take all of our nutrients and they want to be fed so they can get fatter and they can, you know, grow, grow, you know, old, go, grow well in their old age. And so they will drive food behaviours, food choices, and um, they want to stick around. And it's terrible because like, they drain all of our nutrients. And so then we just can't behave in the way our bodies should. So whether it be stomach acid or making neurotransmitters for our brain to make great choices or um you know being able to embed good routines and patterns we can't do that when we're nutrient deprived and when our brain isn't making the appropriate neurotransmitters so they zap you of your ability to make serotonin and then because you can't make serotonin you feel really really flat and horrible and then when you feel really flat and horrible then you're going to reach for carbohydrates and for sugar, which is exactly what they want and to be fed. So it becomes this really horrible, vicious cycle. Can you catch a parasite somewhere? Like how does that work? Is it go traveling or is it something happening? Like if someone's thinking, where have I been? What have I done? Okay, before we get into this big conversation, I have to preface that you will catch parasites all the time. So we're not going to stop going out into the world and we're not going to stop getting our hands dirty and having our dogs lick us and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to stop that. But what happens when they come into our body is, is our body resilient and robust and our immune system humming on all cylinders to protect us so they don't take up residence and grow? So a lot of people are so scared of parasites that they stop traveling, like literally, because they think they're going to pick up a parasite or they won't go swimming in a water hole or they'll never wear bare feet or, uh, yeah, they'll be too scared to interact with animals and so forth. But it's not about that. It's about building up our internal resilience so we can defend ourselves. So that's your stomach acid and immune response. But Yes, to answer your question now, I've put that out there so no one's going to be too scared to leave their front door because of parasites. Yeah, rainwater tanks is a huge one. See that all across Australia. When you go travelling, you're going to catch something and that's fine, but you will obviously when you go travelling, swimming in water holes is a really big one. Yeah, walking in bare feet, animals, 
um, exposures to gardening and getting your hands in the soil, but just life, Mm. really. You're going to have exposures in life. A lot of those things can be, well, I've heard, you know, it's a great thing to get a pet, particularly if you've got young kids, because then it can help, you know, diversify their gut health and and gut bacteria. So I guess it's a double-edged sword, but making sure that the environment yeah, as you said, is well enough to have all of that. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you want them to come in and, and basically look around and go, oh, this is not a good home for me. I'm going to get fried from the stomach acid or the immune system's really strong. I, I'm not going to survive here. So then it will leave. So that that's the situation. That's the optimal health that you want to get to. We wanted to ask you about gut-friendly foods because we know you're an absolute expert in this field. Things like kefir, fermented foods. I know um, kombucha, people come up to me and say, oh, I've been drinking kombucha and I've been having three a day. And I think, oh no, <laughs> what are you doing? It's too much. It's too much. So how much should we be having? When should we be having gut-friendly foods and fermented foods? What's sort of your your protocol on those? Yeah. So I think probably the first thing is um, just to look at the source of it. So make sure that it's not... Um, It is actually a true fermented food. I think it's wonderful that ferments have become so popular. But, yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of fermented foods now that aren't actually live ferments um, and there's a lot of sugar and carbohydrates in them. So just going with some trusted, if you're not going to make it yourself, going with there's only a couple of trusted brands where you know that it's an actual proper ferment. So first of all, find that out. And secondly, ferments are a condiment and so it's not our whole diet, which is what I did when I first started ferments. I was like so stoked thinking this was going to save my life. And so I think for a few days I just ate fermented foods and nothing else. So that's not the way to start your fermenting journey. So a a little condiment. So your sauerkraut on your plate or, yes, no more than 30 mils of kombucha if you're going to have kombucha and um, make sure that it's double fermented and doesn't have any sugar and carbohydrates in it. And then, yeah, with your kiffers, ideally you'd make your own and um, beet kvasses and all of the different kinds of ferments are just wonderful. But getting skilled up on what great ferments are and what is just soft drink that has the label kombucha on the front is really important to be upskilled in that. And then also to understand the state of where your body's at. So some people can't introduce fermented foods very well. It might make them feel sick. They might get a rash. They might feel nauseous and headachey. And understanding that um, you can't just instantly pour a heap of fertilizer into your body and expect it to work. So, yeah, um, some of our clients, we start literally on a quarter of a teaspoon of ferments and we might need to do that for months on end um, because of a dysbiotic gut. So they're not all created equal and we need to honour them because they're very powerful. So would you say start off small, see how you feel and then yeah. up, it a, up it a little bit as you go and just yeah, yeah. And learn? Yeah, and go low and slow. So that I just call it low and slow. And like for, you know, when we're working with people, a cup of yogurt a day is a beautiful amount. So that's obviously the culture wellness yogurt, a couple of cups of kefir, and then everything is a condiment. I know that we're very much aligned in terms of, 
you know, cutting down on processed foods, you know, is just is fundamental and mm-hmm. has such a huge impact on people's health and well-being. And we're both really passionate about getting people cooking, cooking for themselves and back in the kitchen and nourishing their families. And we would love to ask you, is there a meal that you've made in the past couple of weeks that's been a real winner or maybe it's just a go-to of yours that you can share with us? I made a Christmas um, coleslaw, like a Christmas slaw, um, which I hadn't made it until last year when I it was obviously last Christmas. And I made it again on the weekend. And I was like, wow, I forgot how epic this recipe is. And it's so cool for so many reasons because cabbage alone we need to celebrate the cabbage more. We just need to celebrate the cabbage. I mean, what it does for our gut microbiome is insane. What it does for our liver, what it does for our hormones. I mean, anyone who's got hormone issues should be consuming like a cabbage a day, in my opinion. They're so good. And so, you know, you've got the red cabbage as in the recipe and then you've got your green cabbage. And, of course, the red cabbage has all the polyphenols which feeds all of your gut microbes and feed, you know, helps with all of those free radicals. So that's like the, the basics. That's great. But what I love, uh, you know, about this kraut is that the, the dressing is a cup of the culture wellness coconut yogurt, which has obviously got all that therapeutic probiotics in there. And then you've got the olive oil, then you've got mustard, and then you've got the lemon, and then um, you blend that all together. And so most people just think that tastes nice. But for me, like I pull apart that, you know, how amazing all these components are. And you've got probiotics to digest it, the olive oil to give all those essential fatty acids to help the all of the cabbage to support that second phase of that liver detoxification. And then the lemon comes through with all these bitters to stimulate stomach acid and then you've got the mustard that like stomach acid again and help with all of that digestive fire. And then sprinkled on the top is some cranberries and some almond slithers and a bit of um, a bit of onion, which of course is like the most epic prebiotic that you can give your gut. So yeah, I made that. I haven't made it for a year. I was like, why did I, why do I just make this at Christmas? I should make this all the time. Yeah. I also love having cabbage as a base for my salads. And I know yeah. we went through that phase earlier on um, this year where there was no lettuce available in the supermarkets. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm still having cabbage. And yeah, so thanks so much for sharing that recipe. We'll make sure we put that on the I, I Quit Sugar site so that people can give it a go. And I'll definitely be trialing that at the next barbecue I go to. <laughs> yeah. Kirst, you've never made cabbage sound so good, honestly. I know. I know. <laughs> well, it's, fu- it's funny, isn't it? Like I see food as such a functional thing mm. and I see it as just this wonderful fuel source so I even now have got to the point that I don't like oh what am I going to eat tonight Ah, oh, what am I going to cook don't even look at that anymore I, I think about okay what's happened with my day what's happening tomorrow how much do I need my brain what do I need for my gut do I like, and I really just collate with the family as well. Like how much are we training? My daughter's training a lot. My son keeps growing. He's a naught, like he's so tall. And, and I look at what does our family need on that functional level that's going to support gut brain nutrients for what we're doing in, in our day. 
And it's it's just so cool when you get to that space of being able to tweak that and to be able to use nutrition in such a great way to be able to support your gut and your brain um, and then have the, the recipes, those go-to recipes to support you in that space and getting to know your body well enough for what it needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really nice for people that are listening and to, to know you can really get to a point that you understand the nuances of what your body needs. Absolutely. And whole food really can give you that freedom. Mm. You know, you feel like this is overwhelming restriction in the beginning, but it really, and you can, we can hear it in your voice as well. You know, it just absolutely gives you that freedom and makes you feel good. And we just want to thank you so much as well for everything you've done. You've given so much education and teachings to people out there and really I feel like it's really life-changing what you're teaching, especially Mm. because I've been through a similar journey myself and just know how good you can feel being on the other side. We just wanted to thank you and acknowledge you for that. And if listeners want to find out more or read um, your courses or go on your website or anything, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, so culturedwellness.com is the best place. So, you know, there's blog posts up there. And then, of course, um, on Facebook, you can find us at culture wellness. Um, and then on Instagram, it's more all the funny things that I do behind the scenes with my family. I, it baffles me how interested people are in what Noah has for lunch or all the little quirky things that we do in our family. So, um, you know, just the usual socials channels. And, but if you want to get into the real like nitty gritty, we've got some really great blogs up on the website, which has been a wonderful, it's a wonderful resource. So yeah, there's all sorts of information out there. Awesome. Thanks, Kirsty. We love chatting to you. Thank you so much for having me. Liked this podcast? Please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it. We want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives. This podcast is general in nature. We aren't doctors or health practitioners. But if this podcast has prompted something for you, we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.